Uh, would you turn with me this evening in the scripture to Psalm 66? Psalm 66. There's some things that are on my heart, and uh, I believe there's some things that the Lord would speak to hearts and people here in the building and many outside the building. And uh, let's release our faith. Because it's not just all up to the minister, the speaker, I think you know that. Utterance greatly affected by the hearers. So what the Lord would give through me or any other minister is greatly affected and even limited by people's ability to hear. You remember that Paul said to certain individuals, I would have done this or that, but you weren't able to hear it. So, uh, you know, of course I'm not saying I'm have the ability to yield to his full revelation either. But, uh, you know, you cut me some slack and I'll cut you some. (laughs) Let's believe God to make up the difference, right? By his grace, we can receive what we need. Everybody uh, pray it out loud. Close your eyes. and uh, Actually, I'll just pray it and you agree with me if you do. Father God, we come together tonight and we agree as touching these things for your perfect will and utterance and revelation, exactly what everyone needs to hear, we ask you to cause to come out. Answers to questions, solutions to problems, direction and help in life right now, grace, healing, strength. You're not limited by anything but our our faith or lack of. So Lord, we stir ourselves up. We say give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see and a heart open and receptive. Speak through us, Lord. Utterance precise and complete and powerful beyond ourself and our humanity. In Jesus' name, speak as the oracles of God, we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 66. Psalm 66 and verse 12 says, You have caused men to rule over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out. Can anybody say he brought you out? You brought us out into a wealthy place. And I like just reading that, don't you? He said, we went through some stuff. And of course, if you look at the whole story, so much of the stuff they went through was because of their own sin and rebellion and hard-headedness. But even if that, even if you mess up yourself and you go through a bunch of stuff you shouldn't have, didn't have to, how many know, even in the whale's belly, stinky place, stinky, uncomfortable place with seaweed wrapped around your head. You can call on the Lord and he'll have mercy on you and bring you out of that stinky place into, one translation says, into a broad place where it says wealthy place, a broad place. Let me read some other translations to you. The NIV says it like this, you brought us to a place of abundance. Place of abundance. Well, that is a wealthy place. The Living Bible says, in the end, you brought us into wealth 
and great abundance. The complete Jewish Bible says, you brought us out to a place of plenty. Let me ask you a question. Where do you want to live? Place of plenty. The NCV says, you brought us to a place of good things. Good things. The New King James says, you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Wealthy place. Place of abundance. Place of good things. Place of plenty. Place of rich fulfillment. Thank you, Lord. Does God have a place like that for you? Not only in the life to come. Does he have a place down here like that for you? A place where you increase. A place where you prosper. Where you do well. Where you flourish. Where you blossom. Where you rise to your full potential. Where you attain full fruitfulness. Where you make a difference. Your wealthy place. Unless the Lord says something different, that's what I'm on this week. Your wealthy place. Now, don't just come and sit and go, hallelujah, about the wealthy place. Do some soul searching. Do some examination. Are you in your wealthy place? Don't answer that too quick. (laughs) And if you're not, where'd you go wrong? And most importantly, if you're not, how do you get there? How do you get into and abide in? Stay in, live in, dwell in your wealthy place. Can we believe God together for these things? Not only for those of us that are here in the building, but for the many that are outside the building. Can we just begin believing right now that ere the week is over, a lot of people are going to get answers. If they've been coming short, if they've been in lack, if they hadn't been living in a wealthy place, they're going to see why not. And if some of those people is you and me, right, right, or if you have gotten into your wealthy place, uh, you'll see how to uh, not get out, how to stay there long term, and how to flourish beyond, far beyond where you are. We're believing God for people's eyes to be opened and answers to come. And you know, the Lord's a very merciful God. Oh, He's so merciful. He's so gracious. Like we were saying before, even if you have messed yourself up terribly, it's not too late. The devil will tell you it's too late. He'll tell you you've done too much. You've gone too far. It can never be right for you again. Somebody say, liar. The devil's a liar. No, no, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Right? As long as God is faithful and gracious and He is always, His mercy endures forever. Never ceases. Never stops. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all zigged when we should have zagged and got zapped. (laughs) Some worse than others. But uh, the principle's the same. So uh, what we want to find out 
is, uh, are we in our wealthy place? If not, how to get there? And if you were there and got out, how to get back? How to get back? A couple of things we want to establish before we get into the specifics of this. I know a lot of you know this, but we want to reinforce it. Sometimes there are people that's hearing it for the first time. Did you know that it is God's will for you to prosper? Did you know that? Can you know it too much? Oh, no. No. Even though you know something about it, your awareness of it in Revelation can be increased many-fold. It is God's will. I know a lot of you know these things. You could quote them. You know them. But it sure doesn't hurt you to hear them. I'm just going to read some scriptures to you. Can you take it this evening? I'm going to read some scriptures to you. John 10.10 in the Amplified. It says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, who's talking about this? Jesus. I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Is that the will of God? It is the will of God. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 6, he said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse 7, so then neither is he that plants anything or he that waters, but God that gives the increase. Is God the God of increase? Never do you read about him being the God who gives decrease, or God of the status quo, or God of staying the same. He's the God of increase. Increase. Now, you have to watch this. I've seen a lot of ministers make excuses for decrease. I mean, you know, they were doing pretty good, and now their ministry has been cut in half and cut in half again. Their support is down to a tenth of what it used to be. Their attendance and their meetings or their church is down to a fraction of what it used to be. And a whole lot of people... You know, they say, well, you know, God gave me a strong message and we had a lot of purging. And they imply that this decrease is some way or another the will of God. Too quiet. What is the will of God? Every time. For everybody. Everywhere. What's the will of God? Increase. Increase. Now we know. That not everybody's going to come and stay hooked and, and stay put and commit to do the will of God. We know that. But you're not supposed to decrease overall year to year to year. Just go down, down, down. Your money's not supposed to go down. Your church attendance not supposed to go down. Your meeting attendance not supposed to go down. Your influence is not supposed to grow smaller. We're supposed to increase God's the God who gives the increase do you believe it and one thing you have to do is you know if you've suffered decrease 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 uh, you know you have to quit making excuses and acting like there's somewhere or another this is the will of God you have to step up and say Lord what am I doing wrong I know not everybody's going to stay. I know not everybody's going to commit. I know not everybody's going to be faithful to give and sow. But overall, I'm supposed to be increasing. If somebody leaves that's not supposed to, he can bring three. 
right in their place and increase. I know a, a friend of mine one time, he, he said the fellow that was very influential, biggest giver by far in his church, and his extended family was like three or four families, several people. And he came to him and said, you know, brother, I just don't agree with what you're preaching right now. And uh, if you continue along this line, I'm going to have to pull my families out and my support. And then he said, well, brother, you know, I can't let you dictate to me what to preach. He said, well, we're going to leave. And so he did. And as he's walking away and come in the process of time, he did. He pulled all his support, pulled all his families. He lost a number of people and money. And he said, as he's walking away, he looked out the window of his study there and he said, Lord, uh, the biggest giver in my church just left. He said, the Lord said, no, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't go down. He brought in two or three just as strong as that guy was financially. That's what's supposed to happen. But when people leave in mass and stay gone, and the money goes away and stays away, and it just keeps happening that way and trending that way year after year after year, you need to get to looking at yourself and going, Lord, what's going on here? Where am I missing it? What do I need to do differently? Now, a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't want to admit that. They want to make it some kind of hyper-spiritual thing. (laughs) You know, it's a good study in 1 Peter, both epistles of Peter, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. If you read those carefully, do it sometime and underline or note every time you see the word suffer and the word glory. Because that's a strong theme in those books, suffering and glory. But you'll see that he mentions very distinctly two reasons for suffering. One is a suffering for the gospel's sake, for the Lord's sake, suffering persecution. That is legitimate. That is right. But he mentions repeatedly suffering for your own faults, suffering for your own mistakes. And there is no reward for that. And yet a whole lot of people, you never hear them mention that side of it. Everything they go through is some way or another for the glory of God. (laughs) Well, are we going to make it this week? (laughs) The truth will make you free. And if you're playing games and you're trying to say that you're suffering for the glory of God, You're trying to say you're going through stuff because of the will of God when it's actually because of your own ignorance or mistakes. The problem with that is you're not coming out. Because you're not going to make any changes because you're not admitting that any of it's your fault. You're saying it's for the glory of God. You're being persecuted for what you preach. Persecuted. For your stand. Well, yes, those that live godly in Christ Jesus, they shall suffer persecution. It's a fact. But that doesn't equal permanent and continued decrease. You can increase while you're being persecuted. And that really makes the devil mad. That's just the perfect way to do it. 
The more the heat comes on, not because you sinned, because you messed up, because you opened your mouth and said a bunch of things that ran people off and you should have been quiet. And you'll find this, that there is a general belief, I'm talking about among faith people, so-called word people, among many, that the more you obey God, the worse your life is going to be. That if you really pull out the stops and obey God completely, look out. The devil is going to come and brad your nose. And he is going to just destroy you. And basically, I know people don't mean to say that, but what they're saying is, the more fully you obey God, the more cursed you will be. Aren't there a lot of people that say, oh man, I never saw so much, till we stepped out to do that project for the Lord. And then, whoo, I mean, the devils came from everywhere, and we've just gone down, and we ain't been able to come out since. You give him too much credit. I said, you give the devil too much credit. You give him too much glory. Do you understand? He would wipe out every church on the face of the world tonight if he could. You know why he hadn't done it? He can't. He can't. Unless we cooperate with him and give him place. That's why the Bible said neither give place to the devil. But this is one area where you can give place to him big time. And that is to make excuses for all the problems you're having. Because you imagine that you are more committed to God than everybody else is. And that what you're doing for God is so special. That half the demons in hell have been assigned to you. (laughs) And why you're having more trouble than anybody else. And nobody really knows why you have struggled so and why you keep going down and decreasing year after year is because of you're in such a special place and under such special intense attack. Friend, that's nothing but P-R-I-D-E. Pride. Spiritual pride. The Bible, and Bible is truth. The Bible said there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Everybody's going through the same stuff. A lot of folk just ain't crying as much. They're just not making as big a deal out of it. A lot of people are overcoming. Instead of laying down and whining. They're winning. They're conquering. Instead of making excuses why things are not good and why they're getting worse. Oh, friends, are you with me this evening? Do not make excuses for decrease. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. But don't make excuses either. Don't make excuses. And always be open and be teachable. You know, good leaders, uh, Phyllis and I talk about this all the time. I don't care what comes up, staff, church, ministry, money, makes no difference. Friends, I don't care what comes up, the first thing you do is check right here. Anybody with me now? Right here. What did I do? Did I do the right thing? Now, don't be ready to take condemnation. I'm not saying, if somebody says, well, you messed up, I'm not ready to get in condemnation. Where did I mess up? 
We don't know you must have. No, no, no. That don't cut it. Where? I'll repent if I know that I did. But you don't go around just open to receiving whatever condemnation might come down the pike. Well, we've missed it in so many ways and we've come short. And so, oh, hush, hush. You don't mean that. You're just talking. Where did you miss it? Oh, I don't know. Just oh, hush. It doesn't mean a thing. You either need to repent or you don't. If you messed up, where did you mess up? What did you do? Be specific. If not, don't receive condemnation based on generalities. And coulda, woulda, shoulda, and what if. God's real. I said he's real. His communication with us is real and definite. He can tell us what's wrong. And we're not just open to a bunch of vagaries. What if? And that might have happened. No, no. We don't receive condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But watch about making excuses. Tell me what the will of God is. For who? For you? What's supposed to happen in your life? In your ministry? In your influence? Increase. Increase. If increase is not happening, so there needs to be some changes somewhere. Right? Lord, show us what to do so we can come up. Are there more people that need to be reached for the kingdom of God? I'm telling you, if every one of us in here, if our scope reaching people increased a hundredfold, it wouldn't touch half the world population. Do you understand? Do we need to increase? And if we have more money, can we do more for the kingdom of God? If we have more people helping us, right? We need the increase to do the job. No way. It's the will of God for us to decrease, 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 and feel pious about it that some way or another we're suffering for Jesus. No. And don't get to thinking that the devil can just waltz in and cause you all kind of problems. And in fact, you see, people are believing for these things. People get to the place where they, I had a pastor tell me uh, not too long ago. He said, man, I, you know, we're going to start on another building project, but I dread it. I dreamed, man, the last one we did, oh, Lord Jesus. He said, man, we had so many trouble. He said, you know, that's how it is. The devil just jumps on you when you start to do something for Jesus. He's believing for it. He's expecting, can you see this? He's expecting it to happen, which throws the door wide open for the devil to come in. What you should be saying is, This is going to be one of the easiest projects that we've ever done. The money is going to come in faster and easier than ever before. Come on. We're going to be stronger and healthier. Our people are going to be more hooked and committed. Wouldn't that be faith? Anything else is unacceptable. So now said out loud, it is His will for us to increase. Always. Thank you, Master. Let me read some more scripture to you. Psalm 35, 27. Don't turn there. You can just listen. Psalm 35, 27. said, let them shout for joy. Let them be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, 
That's all the time. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, I know there are millions of churchgoers that don't believe what we're talking about tonight. And there are a whole lot of folks that don't go to church that sure don't believe it. And they think we're just messed up. They think we're a bunch of shifty charlatan types and all we're trying to do is lie in our pocket. But the truth is we believe something different than they do. We believe in a God they don't believe in. Or if they believe he's a God of poverty, we believe in a different God. The real God is a God of blessing and a God of increase and prosperity. And you shouldn't feel ashamed uh, if you don't have much. You know, it's nothing to be ashamed or intimidated about. It's not a sin to be broke and in poverty. It's just mighty inconvenient. <laughs> Isn't it? I've been broke. I've been poor. You know, broke, broke, broke. And, you know, under the barrel, minus side, way down. And um, there's been this mentality that's been preached from the pulpits for centuries now. That people, especially people outside the church, they identify, for instance, ministers with poverty. They identify a godly man or woman with poverty. They just absolutely do. That's why they got such trouble with folks like us that believe in prosperity. They're just like, well, no way. You can't be a preacher and be rich. No, no. It's like a contradiction of terminology. But let's examine it. Why have we associated with that? How does me living in a little bitty house, driving a little bitty car, wearing cheap clothes, make me a man of God? How would it? How does it? Now, you know, having wealth doesn't make you a man of God either. But how does, you know, being broke... Being, living small, how does that make you holy? How does that make you have faith? How does that make you know God? Mrs. Boy, he's got the smallest car of anybody. He must really know God. (laughs) He lives in the tiniest house of all the preachers. Oh, he must have a lot of faith. (laughs) Now, you know that don't make sense, and yet millions believe that. Some way or another, they believe that there's an association there. No. How does it help people for me and you to be small? No. The Bible said in Ecclesiastes that uh, talks about the value of the words of wisdom, but it says the the poor man's wisdom is not heard. He's got a lot to say. His words are precious and valuable, but nobody's hearing them. Why? He can't leave home. (laughs) He can't get out of the driveway. He can't get on the radio. He can't have a meeting. He can't rent a hall. Right? He's got a lot in him, but nobody can hear what he's got to say. (laughs) How does it help the body for me and you to be broke? How does it help you for me to be broke? It doesn't. But it does help if we'll do the right thing with it for us to increase. Increase gives us ability, enlarges our voice, expands our reach, expands our influence. Somebody in here ought to be excited about some expansion this week. Because I'm telling you, it is God's will to take what you've got 
and double it and triple it and quadruple it and multiply it ten times and some things a hundredfold if you and me could think big enough if we could expand on our insides before the expansion is going to happen out here it's got to happen in here and in here he said third John 2 beloved I wish above all things that you may prosper it's his will and be in health how's it going to happen even as your soul prospers how is the prosperity in the natural going to occur? It's connected with the prosperity of the soul. You prosper first, not in your pocketbook, not in your checking accounts. You prosper first inside, in your spirit. You get enlarged. How many can see the Holy Spirit in you this week? Reaching down inside you and going, <laughs> I know uh, the Lord dealt with us back uh, some 12 years or so ago to get into aviation. And I'm from the country. And I'm not from originally from wealth. And uh, I didn't even know anybody that ever had an airplane. I didn't know anybody that had flown commercially. <laughs> Till I was, you know, as Phyllis and I got married. That's how far away from aviation I was. And the Lord began to deal with us to believe for an aircraft. Man, it was a shock to me. I thought, huh? A what? I mean, I didn't know the front from the back. I didn't know. You talk about ignorant of an area. Absolutely nothing about it. But I could tell as the months went by, the Lord's serious about this. I'd hope maybe it'd just kind of go away, you know. Because I had known people, I had heard of uh, uh, ministers that had done things and got in trouble with airplanes and, and was happier when they got rid of them than when they got them, you know. And so I, I tried to ignore it a little while, and man, it just didn't go away. And, and finally, I, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, you think these things are just luxury items. He said, you're going to have to have this to do what I'm going to enable you to do in time to come. You don't see it now, but in time to come, you will. But that still doesn't change the fact that my faith and vision wasn't there. I mean, it wasn't remotely there. Thank God for Brother Kenneth Copeland. You know, he's been the catalyst to, I don't know, probably eight-tenths of the aviation that's in ministry today. I'd be down there with him doing something, and he'd say, get up in my airplane. Sit up there in the front seat and make airplane noises. <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Hmm? See, he knew that before the Lord could get me to that place, I got to have some expansion on the inside. I got to get to where I can see this happening, and I don't. I don't see it. I mean, I found out that little bitty parts cost a lot of money. And when you fill up, you need to pull up to the pump and say, fill her up. Brother, you better be ready, especially nowadays. But, you know, should that be the determining factor in what we do and what we can have, where we can go, is how much things cost? 
Should we be led by dollar amounts, by cost, by price, or should we be led by whatever the Lord directs us to do? And if it's beyond anything we ever imagined, could we stand and believe and believe Him to help us till we get to the place where we can believe for it? And if you're not able to see everything tonight, I'm telling you, God is here. The Holy Spirit is here to work on the insides of you. And it don't all have to be done today or even this week. But some things can begin in you that over the process of time will result in multiplied ministry. Some things a hundredfold from where you sit tonight. If you could believe it. If you'd receive it. Somebody say, Lord, expand me. Lord, enlarge me. Lord, increase me according to your perfect will. So uh, I did that. I'd get up in the front and I'd, I'd spit on the windshield. And I'd look back in the back and I'd try to imagine uh, us flying in an airplane. And I'd close my eyes and there's an airplane and glory to God is taking off and woo and... And there's me and Phyllis standing on the tarmac waving. <laughs> it's the Copelands. No, no. No, that's not what I need to say. But that I could see that with them, but with us. So, you know, I, over the months, the Lord helped me. And I thought about things, and I fed my faith, and we sowed seed. That's one way to help you expand. I said, that's one way to help you expand. You know, if you can't sow a seed, if you're so narrow on the inside that you can't sow that out, then that's how narrow you are to receive. And one way that you expand is by, and God will lead you this way. He'll lead you to sow a big seed, and we did on these aircraft. We sowed bigger seed than we sown before. And something about that, when you get that outside, it has to expand for you to sow it out. Because you don't just give with your pocketbook and your pen and your account. You give with your heart. And you receive with your heart. And the same size of heart, enlargement of heart that you can give out with, that's what you can receive in. So you just need to be enlarged so things can flow both directions. Anybody with me on any of this? Uh, where are you? Psalms, go to 1 Corinthians 6 chapter. First, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, sixth chapter. Second Corinthians six, verse ten. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing; as poor, yet making many rich; as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Oh, you Corinthians, our mouth is open to you. Our heart is what enlarged. You are not straightened. Now, straightened means constricted. Constricted or narrow. You are not straightened in us, but you're straightened in your own bowels. Now, he's not just talking about their intestines, is he? He's talking about their insides spiritually. Constriction of one's spiritual insides. Keep reading. Verse 13, now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Now remember, this is not just Paul uh, writing to the Corinthians. How many believe this is God speaking to the church? 
So can you hear the Father speaking to all his children now when he says, I'm speaking to you, my children, be ye also enlarged. Be enlarged. Where? On your insides. Your insides. Be enlarged. Everybody say, be enlarged. enlarged. Say it again. Be Be enlarged. Be enlarged. Now, there's a number of ways that can happen. You can receive enlargement in the Word. You feeding on the Word, the Lord can expand your mind to possibilities and open up your heart to see and believe for things that you've not seen before. The Spirit of God can come on you at times in a special way and reveal things to you. God will put you with people that have larger vision than you. Larger ability. Their faith is stronger. Their vision is bigger in areas. It's possible sometimes your faith might be stronger in another area than theirs, but in this area, their faith and vision is beyond yours. And if you're wise, you'll let it soak in. Hmm? And this prosperous place that we're talking about, this wealthy place, that's what part of it is. His place for you where you prosper is also a place where you're connected to the right people with the right vision and the right faith. And since this is so important and vital, the devil knows this. So what do you think he's going to endeavor to do? Separate you from people that God had joined you to. And it is so sad. There's no telling the millions of relationships worldwide in the body of Christ that are severed. And people are not fellowshipping with each other over dumb, silly, fleshy, pride, junk stuff. And they don't even realize there's supposed to be a supply of the Spirit through that joint and through that connection. And by now, if it had been maintained, by now your vision would be at a whole different place. Your faith would be at a whole different place. You know, I... We get to travel quite a bit and are in a lot of different churches and ministries. Got a lot of different friends in the ministry and I thank God for them. And I, you see that kind of thing happen. I, you know, I've seen people get upset and concerned about different things and actually get concerned. I'm thinking of two or three pastors that have said, you know, well, I don't preach on prosperity much anymore. Why? Well, I'm concerned that my people will get the wrong idea. I'm concerned that they'll think I'm just trying to, you know, line my pockets or something and, and so they don't teach it. And I mean go year after year and don't teach it. And not only that, back off from people that do teach it and not fellowship with people that do. For fear, did you hear those words? For fear of what somebody might think. Now, friend, if you do things like that, what are you being led by? You're being led by fear. Being concerned about what people might say or people might get the wrong idea or what people might think is being led by fear. And that is not being led by the Spirit. And if you're being led by fear, that is a way for the enemy to lead you. You believe it? 
That's the way for the enemy to lead Christians, to lead believers, to lead so-called word and faith people. If you, the, one of the worst things you and I could ever do is to act on a fear. Make a decision, take a step, make a change based on a fear. That is just like the man with the withered hand stretching forth his hand in faith. An act of faith opens the door for the power of God to manifest. When you act on your faith, faith without works or action is dead. But when you act on your faith, oh my, you open the door for God to manifest. And when you act on your fear, you open the door for the devil to manifest. And one reason I'm saying this is because some of the folks that I've, I've talked with one year or so ago, and he was telling me about how low it seemed like his people's faith was for prosperity. How low their faith was. Well, you don't teach on it for years. You pull away from everybody that believes in it and teaches on it. What do you expect to happen? And I know even friends of mine, I mean, they were excited. They had vision for stuff. They were believing for stuff. And some things happened. They got scared. They backed off. And now, ten years later, they got less faith and vision than they did ten years ago. That's sad. I said, that's sad. And why? Because God joined them to people that had this vision and had this faith. And they backed off. And there's not the Lord that told them to back off. They did it out of fear. Concerns. What people might say. What people might think. You're probably not going to know what people are thinking. <laughs> You're probably not going to find out half of what people are saying. What you best do is obey the Lord. Because soon and very soon, you, just you, not you and mama, not you and your spouse, not you and your congregation, just you are going to be standing in front of the judgment seat of Christ. Just you. By yourself. You. And you're going to give an account for what you did in this life with what he told you to do. And if things come up and he told you to do this and told you to believe for that and told you to have faith and vision, you say... Well, yes, Lord, but you know what a controversy it was over some of those things. And you know how uncomfortable my wife got about it. And and you know that I just, it ain't going to carry water. None of it's going to cut anything. There will be no acceptable excuse. You either did what he told you to do or you didn't do what he told you to do. We best be concerned about that, shouldn't we? Instead of what people might think, might say, Folks need it. Now, we shouldn't speak on prosperity all the time. There's a lot more in the Bible besides that. And we shouldn't act like that's the most important thing. It's not. But our people need their bills paid. They need to come out. They need to be freed up where they can serve God in a fuller capacity. And it's going to take faith to do it. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word. And if they don't hear it, their faith's not going to come. Not only that, you need it. 
All of us need all of us need to rub shoulders and hear and be around and be in meetings with people that's got more vision than us and more faith than us. And you know how you can tell it? Because you come away from the meetings excited and you want to do more for God. You think, oh, I'm going to do more. I'm, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to sow bigger. I'm going to believe bigger. I'm going to confess bigger. I'm going to do. If you don't get that from a meeting, you went to the wrong meeting. And men can't give that to each other, but that's what we're believing for, for these kind of meetings. You know, we're all at different places. And don't compare. Don't get to looking and say, well, they're big and I'm little, or I'm big and they're little. Compared to what? We don't really know. So we say, what do you mean we don't really know? We, we don't know how big you are. Or some of us say, we can look at the numbers. We still wouldn't know. Had a fellow one time tell me he was going to, do some special things for the biggest givers in his church. I said, how are you going to find out who they are? He said, well, we got records. I said, how are you going to find out who they are? He kind of blinked at me. He said, we got giving records. We know who gave them. I said, uh, so then how would you find out who the biggest givers were? <laughs> how many know that Jesus watching the offerings one day? Remember that? Rich people put in a lot. Little widow came along, threw in two mites. Jesus said she gave more than everybody. Who was the biggest giver that day? You couldn't have told it by looking at the accounts. So who's got the biggest ministry? (laughs) Who's got the biggest church? Who's doing the best? We don't know. We don't know. If you're doing the fullness of what the Lord has called you to do, then you're doing good. Right? Don't compare yourself to anybody. But you know no matter where you are, if it's two people or 200 people or 20,000 people, you know it's God's will to increase. Increase. Right? You know that. If your budget's $100 a week or a million dollars a week, you know this. It's His will for us to increase. We know that. All of us. All of us. To increase. And you and I are not going to be held, uh, measured by somebody else's ministry, what they did. No, it's going to be according to what He gave us, the measure He gave us, the gifts He gave us, the opportunities He gave us. And if we did everything we knew with what we had to work with, we're going to hear the same thing. The guy that had the biggest numbers, well done! Faithful sir. Didn't the guy with five hear exactly the same thing that the guy with ten? He heard exactly the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And the Bible says if you compare yourself among yourselves, you are not wise. You don't understand. You don't really know how things are. And so let's not do that. Don't do that. But yet have a vision and faith for increase. And, you know, that's something that back when Phyllis and I were just getting started in the ministry, we struggled. I mean, I'd been to Ramah. We heard some wonderful things, and we had had received teaching through other ministries, but still just broke. Just, you know, year after year, just subsist. You you know, you ever wanted to leave town and do something and couldn't? You just didn't have enough money for a tank of gas? And finally, I, I was feeding on the Word, we're growing, and yet we're experiencing this. And finally, I came in one day and just fell across the bed by myself and cried. I said, Lord... 
I am so fed up with this. Living like this. You know you need to get that way sometimes. Because as long as you'll tolerate it. As long as you'll put up with it. You're going to have it. You're going to stay that way. I said Lord I am fed up. With being broke all the time. And I know it's not your will. I can see in the word. It's not your will. And it's not your fault. Lord have mercy on me. What I don't see show me. What I've not understood revealed to me. I've already been to Bible school you know. But that's not everything. Lord show me. And I said whoever I need to be hooked up with. And whatever I need to be hooked up with. I didn't know but he's leading me to pray that way. Show me. And it didn't all happen overnight. But he began immediately teaching me things. And showing me things. And allowing me to relationships with this one and with that one. And the other. Opening my eyes. Opening my ears. Opening my spirit. Glory to God. And in just a matter of months we were in a different place. We were in a different place financially and it just kept getting better and better and our giving kept increasing and our faith kept increasing and our vision kept increasing how many understand it's not just money you need and stuff you need and buildings and lands you need what do you need you need you need enlargement in your spirit and in your faith and in your mind don't you how are you going to get it? You're going to get it from the Word. You're going to get it from the Spirit. And you're going to get it from people. That through God, from God, through people that He joins you to. And so we should count these relationships and these connections very valuable. He said, be ye also enlarged. Say it out loud, be enlarged. Be enlarged. Say it again, be enlarged. Be enlarged. Be enlarged. Thank you, Lord. Let me read some more of these scriptures to you. The Bible said, Job 36, 11, Job 36, 11, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. How many believe that verse? Yes. If you obey him and serve him, you'll spend your days in prosperity. And years in pleasure. You mean the Lord would be okay with you enjoying some stuff? Having some pleasure out of stuff? Yeah. I got things at my house. Serve absolutely no purpose in the world. (laughs) Except I enjoy them. I enjoy it. Anybody know what I'm talking about or not? And I got scripture for it. I said I got scripture for it. 1 Timothy 6.17 1 Timothy 6.17 says Charge them that are rich in this world not to be high minded nor trust in uncertain riches. Notice he didn't say get rid of all them riches. Did he? He just said don't be snooty. Don't be big head. And don't trust in your money. Don't put your faith in your money. But, but trust in the living God who gives us Richly all things to to enjoy. To enjoy. Now you might say, what difference does that make, Brother Keith? We're supposed to get the gospel preached. You're talking about having silly stuff that serves no purpose. You know, Brother T.L. Osborne said this. I hope I'm quoting him right. He said, 
Surround yourself with things that are beautiful to you. It inspires creativity. Now, would I be a different man if I'd slept in the alley last night? And I'm subsisting in every way. Of course, this building wouldn't be here. If I believe like that and all our folks believe like that, we wouldn't have a place if that was the case. But if it were able to be some way, would I be a different person? Would things come up in me and through me to be ministered in a different way if I feel like I'm deprived? I'm deprived. I don't have a fair deal. I've had to give up everything. To go into the ministry. Hmm? And what if I've become bitter? Because I never have enough. I'm always having to beg somebody for everything. I'm always dependent on everybody. I have to bum a ride off of somebody. I have to bum a suit or some clothes off of somebody. I'm always having to beg for money. And I've become bitter And I've become insecure. Would that affect my preaching? And my teaching? Yes. Yes. Or if I found God to be great. And good. And generous. And he's met my needs so abundantly. And he's blessed me. And even given me things that I didn't need. It was just a desire. And something to enjoy. And I come and I say, I'm telling you, God is so good to me. I'm so blessed. The blessed people call us blessed. (laughs) Will that affect what comes out of me? And how I preach and how I teach and how I pastor and how I lead. Can you see? One reason that the devil has fought these things, increase and prosperity and abundance so hard Because he wants all the pulpits to be little pulpits. (laughs) And all the preachers to be little preachers. Even if they're big in physical stature, he wants them to be little. Little in vision. And he wants all the churches to be little or non-existent. It's better than little. But if he couldn't get non-existent, little, small, little. And he wants the ministers to be unhappy. And their spouses to be unhappy. And their children to be just fed up with being the preacher's kid. And so that all the children that are coming up for the next generation. Look at these sad, miserable little people. That call themselves ministers and go, never. <laughs> nah, I ain't never going into the ministry. That's got to be one of the most awful lives. That and the devil wants a whole, and in a generation, the ministry to disappear. And go away. And churches to go away. But is it true? It's not true. God is a good God. I said He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a generous God. He's a liberal God. He's a gracious God. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Do you believe it? Oh, yes, he will. He'll, he'll give you nice clothes and a car and a house and all that stuff. But if you grow up, you'll get to the point where it don't mean much to you. 
Where you're not seeking that. And you're not just adding it to yourself. But you're serving him with such joy and such a faith that he's able to add it to you while you're seeking first his kingdom. God is a good God. Say it out loud. God is a good God. Say it again. God is a good, good God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Are you settled on it being God's will for you to prosper? Hmm? I know a lot of you have heard these things and preached these things, but it sure don't hurt to hear them again, does it? It is God's will for you to prosper. Now, go with me. Are you in Psalms? Second, yeah. Go to Psalms then. <laughs> Psalms 73. And also find... Uh, Colossians 2, we can go from one place to the other. Psalm 73 and verse 12. Psalm 73, verse 12 says, Behold, these that he had been describing, ungodly people, are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Is this increase? That's what the word says it was increase. They increase in riches. Are there some people in the world that have a lot of riches, but they don't love God? Yeah. Are there people that are increasing their riches dramatically? But they never go to church, they don't pray, don't even believe in God. Think we're all a bunch of fools. And they think it's kind of confirmation when they've got nine houses and twelve cars and five airplanes and they see believers can't make ends meet. Hmm? There is an increase that is not of God. We could call it two kinds of increase, two ways of increase. Did you know James talks about two kinds of wisdom? Anybody remember that? Two kinds of wisdom. I'll just read it to you. We could quote it, but you stay right there. You already got two places, right? You got Psalm 73. You got Colossians, right? You got your fingers in the Word? Getting in the Word tonight, right? James, the Bible says, uh, concerning wisdom, verse 14 of James 3 says, If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom, verse 15, this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Earthly, sensual, devilish wisdom? Does that sound strange to us, doesn't it? But you just got through reading it. There is a devilish wisdom. And there is a wrong increase. The ungodly who prosper where? Where do they prosper? In the world. And they increase. They increase in what? Not just in every good thing. They just increase 
in riches. Is that all we're seeking after? Is increasing riches? Absolutely not. Go to Colossians. Colossians and the second chapter. And down about verse uh, 19. It says, not holding the head. Who is the head? Jesus is the head. Do you agree with me that Jesus is everything? (laughs) I mean everything. He's everything. And we must stir up in these days. There's some people that want to have church and not talk as much about Jesus. There is no church without Jesus. There is no body. That's what the gospel is about. It's about Him. He's everything. Come on, are you with me on this? We we sang earlier tonight, oh, how I love Jesus. Not just love religion, not just love going to church, not just love Bible thumping and tape playing. We love Jesus. He's real. He's real. And everything we do, we ought to be holding to the head. Holding to the head. Some folk are turning loose of the head and focusing on other things. And it's wrong. It can only lead into error and problems. Not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with what? With the increase of God. The ungodly prosper in the world. They increase in what? Rich. Not in God. In riches. Is that all we're interested in? Let me ask you again. Hmm? No. Do you know you could be a multi-billionaire tonight and not be in service? Be out in some islands on your yacht? You know, with five people that you don't know and be one of the most miserable human beings on the planet? What did the Lord say? Don't trust in uncertain riches. Don't put your faith in that. Trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Money does not equal enjoyment. Now, the devil lies about this to people all the time. He tries to convince them, oh, man, if you had enough money, you'd be happy. Or if you had enough money, you'd be enjoying life. Man, if you had enough money, you could get that house, you could get that car, you could get that stuff. Oh, you'd be styling. Man, you'd be living large. Oh, you'd be, whoo, yeah, it's the money. But no, the ability to enjoy life is not connected to the money. Not my words. Here, did you see in Colossians, increases with what? With the increase of God. He's the God who gives the increase. And here it says, the increase. what kind of increase does he give? Not just increase of riches, the increase of God. Now go to Ecclesiastes. 
Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. He that loves silver, what? We just spent months around here talking about uh, the love of money. How it's the root of all kinds of evil. The title of our series was, Would Jesus Wear a Rolex? <laughs> so we said, wow, how does those two go together? Well, it's available. You can get the whole deal if it won't cost you a penny. But uh, we've been excited about it. And just to give you a little hint, several people since then have received nice watches. <laughs> but he that loves silver, what? No matter how much you get, it won't satisfy you. It won't. If the Bible says it won't, then it won't. Those that love it. We said this throughout our teaching on that subject I just mentioned. Don't use the word love in connection with things. It's certainly not money. People say, ooh, I love my car. Don't say that. Somebody says, what's wrong with it? That car ain't never loving you back. You understand? You can polish it. You can sit in the seat. You can sing to it. You can tell everybody how it's your baby. It doesn't know you exist. It can't. You can't fellowship with it. Don't say, I love my house. I love, ooh, I love my house. No, you're supposed to love God and love people. Stuff, you can appreciate it, you can enjoy it, you can use it, but you don't love it. Covetousness is idolatry. And there are people that actually, they do, they worship their cars. They worship their house. They miss the will of God. I've seen people miss the will of God over a house. The Lord led them to move. They wouldn't do it. That's my house. It took me 20 years, and this is my place, and I can't leave my place. Well, you're about to leave it one way or another, honey. Are you, how long do you think you're going to stay there? Ain't nobody staying anywhere very long down here. Yeah, but my place, my place, your place is going to be ashes. Just soon and very soon. Everything out there, ashes. And there's going to be a new heavens and new earth. And God's got your real place getting ready for you right now. Yeah. So everything down here is just temporary. Just something you can enjoy for a little while and use while you're serving Him. And while you're passing through. So don't say, I love my car. I love my house. I love my new ring. I love my watch. I love... No, say it out loud. I love God. I love people. I don't love money. I don't love things. He said, if you love silver, you'll not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Our objective is not just getting more and more stuff and more and more money. Jesus said, Luke 12, he said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That doesn't make a life. 
So, Brother Keith, I thought this was a week of increase. It is. <laughs> but we need to be very clear on what kind of increase we're going for. There's more than one kind of increase. We just got through showing it to you. There are a number of people that are prospering in the world. And they are increasing their riches. And it's got nothing to do with God. And we got no interest in that, do we? He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loves abundance with increase. This is vanity. When goods increase, they're increased that eat them. Boy, that's the truth. The more money comes in, the more ways you got to spend it. I mean, the bigger things get. But, you know, big horse eats a lot of hay. Did you know that? The bigger the horse, the more hay it takes. But big horse can pull a big load. <laughs> when goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, save the beholding of them with their eyes? You know, just getting a bunch of stuff can also be a distraction. You can have too many houses to take care of, too many cars to wash. I'd like to try it out. Well, okay, but do you understand? There, there are things that are just a take away of your time, and it just you have it on your mind. There are things that just to own it and just to say I own it, what does it mean? If it doesn't contribute to you obeying God. And fulfilling the plan of God on your life. You may need to lighten the load. Yes, and you see a lot of people. I mean they don't do things in church. That they should do. Because they're tending to all their stuff. And there's really no reason for them to have it. And to do some of those things. So we need to be led. I said we need to be led. He said. Verse uh, 13. There's a sore evil which I've seen under the sun. Riches kept for the owners. Thereof to their hurt. Now, um, skip on down to the sixth chapter, verse 2. He said, uh, A man, verse 1, there's an evil which I've seen under the sun, it's common among men. A man to whom God has given riches, wealth, honor, so that he wants nothing for of his soul for all that he desires, yet God gives him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eats it. This is vanity, and it's an evil disease. Now you're beginning to get some insight into what real prosperity is. Back up to the 19th verse of the 5th chapter. 5th chapter. Every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth. Who gave him the riches and wealth? Who made Abram rich? God gives riches and wealth. You know, a lot of people would hardly even acknowledge that this is in the Bible. But every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and has given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Not just having more and more stuff and more stuff to take care of and think about or having a bunch of stuff and not able to enjoy it or use it. You know what real prosperity is? It's the increase of God, all right. But it's also the peace of God. In fact, so many times in the scripture, those two words are used interchangeably. Peace and prosperity. 
They're used together. They're also used interchangeably. Peace. Why? Because what good does it do a man or a woman? Twelve cars out in the garage. Twenty-five room mansion. Can't sleep. Drugged out of your head. Spouse left. Friends and family don't respect you. What does that mean? Here's the prosperity of God. Yes, the increase of God. Yes, that can include increase of riches and things. But the peace of God, which is the power to enjoy. Oh, come on, do you see this? The power, do you see it? To whom God gives these things, but He also gives Him the ability, the power to eat, to take His portion, to rejoice in His labor. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, can you see this? This is prosperity. This is real prosperity. If you're looking for a number, you know, when we get this certain size, when our budget gets this big, when our account gets this big, you will never be satisfied because there will always be another number. But if you know you're in the will of God, if you know you're doing what he told you to do, yeah, you may not be where you're believing to go, but you can enjoy every step from here to there. You can enjoy every rung on the ladder. And today he gives you power to enjoy it, power to savor it. Don't procrastinate and push off your happiness into the future somewhere when you reach some kind of goal. Don't do it. Well, when we ever get moved in that house, when we ever get that car, when we ever get that paid off, hey, life is good today if you'll take a hold of it, if you'll receive it. The devil's a liar. He's tricky. He's subtle like that. He always trying to get you to postpone your joy postpone enjoying life because you got problems today you got there's always going to be something to deal with and if you wait till there's nothing to deal with your whole life is going to go by and you'll be postponing your enjoyment is it God's will for you to prosper for you to increase absolutely but his increase not like the ungodly in the world prospering. Not like just them increasing their riches and their stuff. No, it is the increase of God. But it is the power to enjoy. And it's not just enjoy stuff. You know, the greatest thing about having stuff is that your friends and family can enjoy it with you. I mean, what use is a bunch of stuff and you got nobody to enjoy it with? But you can have all kind of stuff. And if nobody wants to come to your house... Nobody wants to go on vacation with you. Nobody wants to ride in your new car. No, the power to enjoy, to rejoice, to take your portion of what's going on. And, and here's the deal, the real measure of prosperity for a man or woman of God is how much ability I have to bless somebody else. You believe that? It's more blessed. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And oh man, when you're really prosperous, it's because you're not needy. You're not need. Nobody's having to help you. Oh, come on. Can anybody get excited with me? 
Nobody's having to help you. You're not pulling on anybody. You're not a drain on anybody's resources. All your needs are met and your desires too. But you got ability. You got the freedom to give the time. You got the money. You can travel. You can move. You can do. You can help people. You can bless people. You can bless ministries. You can bless churches. That's prosperity. I said that's prosperity. How much ability you've got. To do for others. That's real. Prosperity of God. Stand on your feet everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information. Visit our website. At morelife.org.